0: Hi, this is SD, host of the Friday A Public Affair. I hope you help us by contributing to WORT and you can also subscribe to the podcast. Bye. Six foot six above sea level I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level Low power frequency, radio modulation The big sound from underground, another pirate station No change without struggle No one in power ain't giving up nothing No change without struggle No one in power W-O-R-T, 89.9 FM, listener-sponsored community radio, Madison, Wisconsin. And hello, welcome to A Public Affair. I am Esti Noor. James Bamford is a best-selling author, journalist, and documentary filmmaker, and one of the country's leading writers on intelligence, especially the National Security Agency, NSA. Bamford has taught at the University of California, Berkeley, as a distinguished visiting professor and has written for the New York Times Magazine, The Washington Post, The Atlantic, Harper's, The New York Book a Review of Books, and many other publications. In 2006, he won the National Magazine Award for reporting for his writing on the war in Iraq, which was published in Rolling Stone. He's also an Emmy-nominated documentary filmmaker for PBS and spent a decade as the Washington investigative producer for ABC's World News Tonight. In 2015, he became the national security columnist for a foreign policy magazine, and he currently writes for The Nation magazine. His book, The Shadow Factory, the ultra-secret NSA from 9-11 to the eavesdropping on America, Became a New York Times bestseller and was named by the Washington Post as one of the best books of the year. It is its the 3rd in a trilogy by Bamford on the NSA following the Puzzle Palace in 1982 and Body of Secrets in 2001, for which we hosted him at that time. And that one was also a, a New York Times bestseller. His fifth and latest book is Spy Fail, Foreign Spies, Malls, Saboteurs, and the Collapse of America's Counterintelligence, which is our subject today. And hello, James. Thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Well, thanks for having me back, Estee.
0: Yeah. So you talk about the highly dangerous and growing capability of foreign countries to conduct large-scale espionage with within sorry the united states and how the fbi and other agencies have failed to prevent it can you can we start with uh, you offering us a an eagle's eye view of 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 that
1: sure yeah um yeah most of my books have been on how the u.s spies on foreign countries and this uh, book is about how foreign countries Spy on the U.S. and, and what a uh, fairly bad job the U.S. does of uh, stopping the espionage. Um, for example, the uh, the FBI, which is supposed to be catching the uh, the spies, they had a spy working for them for almost a Russian spy working for the uh, FBI for about uh, 20 years. Uh, he was caught around 2001, and uh, and then within about a week. Uh, the Chinese managed to get a mole into the FBI, and he was there for about 10 years. And his activities were so blatant, he would take the material. He was uh, with the FBI in Honolulu. He'd take the material and once a month fly to China pass the material on to his controllers there and fly back. So they didn't even discover that for about 10 years. So um, that's just one example. There's many others. Uh, Israel does a great deal of spying in the U.S. and the um, U.S. does nothing about it. The FBI does nothing about the uh, Israeli spies in the U.S., uh, nuclear spies and and other kind of spies. So that was the thrust of the book to look at how the U.S. uh, has sort of failed in terms of stopping foreign intelligence operations in the United States.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about these three that you mentioned, Uh Russian spy working for the FBI for 20 years. Tell us what you know about that.
1: Well, his name was Robert Hansen, and uh, uh, he was a senior official with the FBI. Ironically, I was uh, around the same time in the 1990s. I was the uh, um, investigative producer for ABC News. So one of my jobs was developing contacts. And ironically, uh, he was one of the people I uh, sort of befriended as a contact. Um, Hanson, he was even at, at my wedding at one point. So um, sure. so I got to know him, uh, even though he was a uh, Russian spy, or, or he's spying for the Russians for almost 20 years, but the FBI never knew about it. I mean, I felt bad that I didn't know about it, but then again, I'm not an FBI agent. So that went on for about 20 years. He was finally arrested. Uh, they finally found out about it in 2001. And uh, the Chinese have been, uh, uh, mainland Chinese have been developing spies all along to penetrate the United States. And so they managed to get these two former CIA uh, uh, agents uh, people they were national nationally uh, Chinese and they were working for the CIA and then they left and then they went to work for uh, Chinese intelligence and one of those people uh, was put into the FBI and he was there for ten years, uh, giving the Chinese all the secrets that uh, that the FBI was collecting on on china and because of that, there are a lot of uh, agents uh, that the CIA had recruited in, in China who were killed.
0: So the FBI spies on China? I thought the FBI was spying just on us.
1: Well, this, uh, the FBI uh, uh, has counterintelligence. They try to prevent the uh, uh, spying from China. But what uh, the people that were killed were, were people that were working for the CIA. The CIA has agents in China, and they recruit local people. That's who were killed, were the local people that were working for the CIA. And the reason they were killed was because the uh, FBI agent passed on um, secret information to the, uh, to the Chinese, and they didn't uh-huh. discover it for 10 years.
0: I see. So how come they didn't figure out, especially Hansen, being there for 20 years, um, how how come well, they failed to find him sooner than that?
1: Well, the main reason is that uh, they they weren't looking for for spies within their own organization, and and so they mm-hmm. completely overlooked Hanson, and he rose fairly high into the FBI, and he's about once a month he would put a lot of documents in in a in a bag, and then uh, in, uh, one of these green garbage bags, and then go to what they call a drop site someplace, leave the bag, and then the uh, Russian uh, agents would come over, pick it up, and then leave another bag, and that contained money for him. So that went on for, uh, like I said, about 20 years, and uh, it was never never discovered. Um, and then after they captured uh, Robert Hansen, they, uh, the FBI came out with a... Um, a uh, big press conference saying they're, they're going to tighten things up and so this won't happen again. And, and then a w- about a week later, the um, Chinese were able to get a, a mole into the FBI, and he was there for 10 years. So, so you have a period of 30 years when both the uh, Chinese and the, and the uh, Russians had moles within the FBI, which its whole, his whole job, uh, counterintelligence, is to catch spies.
0: Yeah, and then you say that um, Israel spies on the United States. Um, from all we have seen throughout the years, and absolutely now, Israel and the United States work in cahoots. What is that about? Why does Israel need spies in in um, the United States?
1: Well, it's not just spies; they've got. Uh, uh, they got uh, propagandists and uh, other type of people that are working over here, trying to get the uh, 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 American support for Israel. Um, it's been going on a long time. Uh, they they had uh, Jonathan Pollard, for example, was a, was a spy for uh, many many years. He worked for U.S. Naval Intelligence, and and I write about a a Hollywood producer. Um, Arnon Mitchell, he's one of the leading producers in Hollywood, and he was spying for Israel for uh, uh, many, many years. Uh, He was a nuclear spy for Israel, and he was sending uh, critons. Those are devices to make a nuclear weapon explode, sending those back to uh, Israel. Uh, His partner was arrested and sentenced to, uh, or at least charged with, I think he got 106 years they were threatening him with, uh, 106 years in prison. But uh, Milton, uh, the guy who was running the operation, nothing ever happened to him. They just let him go. Uh, That's what they do for people that are spying for Israel quite often. They just uh, uh, do nothing to him. That's one of the major problems I wrote about in the book, how the U.S. allows uh, Israel to get away with uh, spying and... and, uh, other activities in the US. Um, One of the things I wrote about was Canary Mission. That's a a name of a a very sort of secretive blacklisting that the uh, Israelis do. So when the students at Harvard signed a a letter saying that they were uh, opposing the um, uh, invasion of Gaza, for example, um, a lot of their names, or virtually all their names, were put on this very secretive blacklist, and when you're put on that blacklist called Canary Mission, it really limits your opportunities to get jobs and uh, and get harassed, and and that is being run out of Israel. There's a troll farm that Israel is running uh, in the United States, um, so there there's a great deal of uh, espionage. I mean, one other as, uh, aspect I wrote about was during the uh, 2016 uh, election the Israelis sent a, a spy over to uh, um, basically infiltrate the Trump campaign and try to work out a deal where they would offer the Trump campaign information if uh, the Trump campaign would uh, do something which is what they wanted what uh, what they wanted was to move the the um, uh, embassy, the U.S. embassy, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And it was sort of a quid pro quo. And all that came from uh, documents I got from the uh, um, from the Justice Department.
0: Well, you also say that um, Israel has given, or did give at, at that time, the Trump campaign, significant amounts of money, uh, which we know or at least we heard that the russians have done but i don't think we know about israel so if you can talk actually about both of them uh, and their involvement in um, the trump campaign and what that means for this country especially now that he may become a president again
1: yeah um the the u.s spent about two years uh, on uh, what they called russia gate which was trying to show that uh, Russia um, and the Trump campaign were colluding. Uh, There was no question that Russia uh, took documents, emails and so forth from the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, and made them public. So um, that happened. And then after that, the uh, U.S., the Justice Department, launched this Russiagate investigation that went on for two years to try to show that Trump and the Russians were colluding. Uh, Trump and the Russian intelligence were colluding. Well, after two years, they found out that there was no evidence of that. There was no collusion between the Trump campaign and and uh, the Russians. What they weren't looking at, uh, at least not until the very end, was the, was Israel's involvement. And Israel had actually uh, tapped into the Russian eavesdropping uh, capability. Their, their Uh, signals intelligence capability. And they were able to determine uh, or actually take uh, steal from the Russians the material that they were stealing from Hillary Clinton. And then they were offering the Trump campaign some of that material, all without the U.S. ever knowing about this. And then they sent an agent over to uh, the U.S. to try to convince the uh, Trump campaign to uh, basically give a... For, uh, a quid pro quo: We'll give you this information if you uh, recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. So that went on for that whole summer of 2016, and the reason that came out was the FBI eventually discovered about discovered that, and they got a search warrant for for the Israeli agents' um, communications, and they got all his text messages and email messages, and uh, between him and the the Trump campaign. So I was able to get that under the Freedom of Information Act. So all that comes from FBI documents, basically. And Uh nothing ever happened, again, nothing
0: happened to the Israelis. Okay, Um, so I I just want to clarify. So the Russians um, got documents from Hillary Clinton's campaign. Are these the documents that were released by WikiLeaks, or are these different documents?
1: Yeah, those are the documents that, uh, that they got from WikiLeaks. They still they, you know, used uh, uh, eavesdropping techniques, uh, what they call signals intelligence, in, in order to steal the documents uh, um, by hacking into the Hillary Clinton and, and Democratic parties. Uh, communications facility so they were able to take all all that material and then they uh, had a a guy that was basically pretending to be a journalist uh, in France and um, he made a lot of those documents public so uh, it was all a a Russian operation Uh, there's no question about that Uh, but it had nothing to do with the Trump campaign I mean the Trump campaign wasn 't working with them, and Wikileaks was, but Wikileaks says that uh, they didn 't know they were they were Russians they thought that they were this this guy in france uh, it 's a complicated story, but um, mm-hmm. that 's how they did it. They sort of stole the material from the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic National committee um, pretended to be uh, one of the people pretending to be a journalist gave him to the WikiLeaks and WikiLeaks made it public. Um, but there was no connection to the Trump campaign. By WikiLeaks? Yeah, by either the Russians or the WikiLeaks or anything. Uh, the Russians and, and Trump had nothing to do with any of that. Uh, you know, they had that long two-year investigation. It was a very hyped investigation, but, uh, In the end, they found no collusion. There was no collusion between uh, Russia and the the Trump campaign, but there was collusion between the uh, Israeli intelligence and the Trump campaign. But because the U.S. never goes after Israel for anything they ever do in the United States, practically, um, they just close their eyes and let it happen.
0: Okay, so there's several things I want to get back to, but why is it that the United States never goes after Israel? Why is it that Israel is basically allowed to spy on the United States with impunity? Well, it's because uh, it's very political.
1: Uh, it, uh, it, uh, people in Congress receive a great deal of money, huge amounts of money, uh, from pro-Israeli groups. Um Constantly. I mean, APAC, the uh, big Israeli lobby, uh, pro-Israeli lobby, um, uh, they give millions of dollars to uh, campaigns and so forth. So all these uh, uh, people in Congress, they, uh, they're very much against the, the U.S. Uh, taking actions against Israel. And the same goes for the White House. I mean... Joe Biden got more money from pro-Israel groups when he was in Congress than anybody else. I think it was over $4 million. So that's the Mm -hmm. incentive. You want that money to keep coming. You don't want those people to vote against you, uh, the pro-Israeli people. So what you do is you don't create a a storm by arresting um, Israelis. And that's the problem. That's the problem I wrote about, and it's uh, been going on for quite a while.
0: Yeah, and um, again, there are things I want to get back to, but um, thinking about right now and the genocide that Israel is conducting in Gaza and how um, the United States is um, really responsible to for it, almost just as much as Israel because. It is the one that provides all the um, the armaments and, and the bombs and, and also the political support. And um, the United States, old Joe Biden, keeps saying that um, he wants less uh, civilian uh, casualties and that um, he wants... A Palestinian state and um, of course there's no less um, civilian casualties quite the opposite it seems to be the numbers are growing every day and um, just yesterday uh, Netanyahu said that he will never allow um, a, a Palestinian state to be so in this context, in this immediate context that we are in right now, um, how does what you write about connect with what I'm talking about? Well, uh, it connects very, uh, very closely.
1: Um, the US has this uh, ridiculous uh, uh, relationship with Israel where we, every time there is a... Um, uh, uh, a sanction uh, that the United Nations wants to give, the U.S. vetoes it. So we let Israel basically get away with whatever they want. Um, and, again, it's the same reason. It's just, uh, this enormously, uh, uh, this enormous amounts of money that goes to Congress, uh, the people in Congress, and they want to give Israel whatever they want because they get a lot of money from Congress. Uh, uh, they give a lot of money to Congress for uh, pro-Israeli reasons which is the reason you had Joe Biden going over to Israel and giving a big hug to uh, Netanyahu, um, as they're basically committing genocide. Uh, so it's this insane uh, policies that we have. We're, we're largely responsible for uh, we're, we're what's known as co-belligerence in the war because we're giving the weapons that they're using or a lot of the weapons that they're using to uh, to attack the uh, uh, Palestinians. Uh, I've been over there. I've been shot at by the uh, by the settlers. Uh, so um, I've written a lot about Israel over the years. So what you have now is you have the uh, a lot of people that are protesting against the uh, U.S. and Israel um, uh, war in Gaza. People from uh, you know. I'm sorry.
0: Sorry about these noises. Um, I, I don't know how to get rid of them.
1: but Yeah, please go That's on. okay.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, so you have students at Harvard and all these other uh, universities that are protesting, and you have presidents uh, who are being called before Congress on um, basically a McCarthyistic uh, uh, questioning. Um, and... Uh, the problem is that you, these people are being punished for protesting against the war. This shouldn't be going on. And what Israel does is they have all this, uh, uh, all these groups that are trying to uh, pressure people not to protest against Israel. And those are some of the things I wrote about. Um, Canary Mission was one of them. Uh, they uh, they have a tro- they've had a troll farm that was. Uh, sending messages to people that uh, uh, um, ha- had these apps on a uh, cell phone, and then they would be given instructions on, on how to attack, basically, people who were uh, verbally attack people who were protesting against Israel. So this is, there's constantly a, uh, an effort by Israel to pressure Americans not to protest uh, against Israel.
0: Yeah, my guest is James Bamford. He's a best selling author, journalist, and documentary filmmaker, and one of the country's leading writers on intelligence, especially the NSA. You are welcome to join the conversation if you have relevant questions or comments at 608 256 2001, extension 9, I believe. Um, or you can join us on social media at war talk on twitter or x or um a public affair on um facebook and i'm told that no extension is needed so 608 256 2001 and um back to you uh james so let's talk about some of these things you mentioned um Canary mission um, I have a friend. I'm I myself am a member of Jewish Voice for Peace and um, I have a friend whose son is in Harvard and he was describing just a few days ago um, how his son participated in a demonstration against the genocide and uh, this truck showed up with huge signs mounted on it. And I guess there was a video of um, some of the people who participated with their names, their addresses, their workplaces, uh, which, which of course is very scary when you are that person. It, it certainly feels like an incitement. Um, for possibly for violence and definitely for other um, actions, how, how do they work and um, how that connects to what you're talking about? Well, that's
1: exactly what I'm talking about because I've written about it, both in my book and also I've been writing articles about these things for the nation magazine. Um, Yeah. What you described was the, uh, it's called doxing. It's when a, Somebody uh, releases your name and address and personal information in order to harass you, and that's what they did to the students at at Harvard that were protesting against the the genocide. Uh, they sent a truck, and the truck had a these large uh, panels on the side, uh, video panels. And they were like large televisions, uh, and uh, they were broadcasting or or putting the words on there. Um, Uh, the names of the people who had signed a letter protesting the um, the Israeli um, actions in in Gaza. And they not only put their names on there, they put their addresses, phone numbers, and emails, and all that kind of information. Like I said, that's called doxing in order to harass these people. And that's the same thing that Canary Mission is. They put their names on Canary Mission also. That's just the name of this uh, blacklist. So just like they put the names on the the doxing truck, they also put their names in this online blacklist, which is uh, basically worldwide and certainly all over the country. So any employer uh, who is basically pro-Israeli will look at the Canary Mission list and see that uh, your name is on it because you protested against Israel, and and, uh, so that will hurt your chances of getting a job. Um so that's why I wrote about these things. Uh, I wrote about them um before this all happened basically the Canary mission and these other activities uh, in my book that came out last year because I saw all this building up like this and now it's it's you know you've had the president of Harvard that's been uh, had to resign um um other presidents called before the um uh, uh, committee uh, congressional committee and Another university president resigned, so you have all this pressure on students and faculty and presidents of universities uh, to basically keep their mouth closed uh, rather than protest against it, what's going on in Gaza and israel and that yeah. just shouldn't shouldn't happen are the, uh, among the big targets are the uh, among the big targets are uh, on the Canary Mission list and, and doxing and so forth are the uh, uh, people that belong to Jewish Voice for
0: Peace. Yes, yes. Um, let's uh, go back to Arnold Milchan, um, the, the producer in Hollywood. Um, I, before I left Israel, I um, worked in the Israeli film industry and he was a big... Producer in Israel at the time and I I think I worked in some of the films that um, he was Producing he then like like you mentioned him. He moved to Hollywood and became quite big Um, and you mentioned earlier that um, You mentioned nuclear secrets and you also mentioned that his partner uh, was arrested and apparently put in prison. Can you can you give the whole story? What,
1: what yeah, exactly I, yeah.
0: is that story?
1: Yeah, Arna, um, Arnon Milchan is uh, one of the top producers in Hollywood. He may even win the Best Picture Award this year, he's won it twice before. Um, so, uh he has this long background. He started in his 20s uh, in the 1960s, uh, working for his Israeli intelligence. Um, and he's Israeli, and he uh, worked for Israeli intelligence starting in the mid 60s. And then um, in the 70s, his job, basically 70s and partly into the 80s, um, was to be the arms dealer for South Africa. When South Africa had apartheid, um, the uh, worldwide community, including the U.S., had an embargo on weapons to uh, apartheid South Africa. Well, apartheid South Africa was Israel's closest ally at the time. Uh, They were very, I mean, they were extremely close. So uh, Milton became um, Israel's agent for getting weapons to the South African government. Uh, So in other words, Israel supplied a lot of the weapons that were used by the apartheid South African government to uh, kill, torture, and and, uh, 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 injure a lot of the um, black protesters that were protesting apartheid. And then Milcham became the top uh, uh, propagandist for apartheid. And he had all these uh, secret companies because he came from a wealthy family that had these big companies and he used the companies as uh, fronts uh, to um, uh, put propaganda around the world, including in the United States, uh, how wonderful apartheid is Um, that got him into Hollywood because he was trying to put some of that uh, 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 propaganda into the U S film industry. And, And that led him to Hollywood. So he became a Hollywood producer, and he was uh, doing the propaganda on the side. And then he gave that up, and he became Israel's uh, top nuclear spy in the U.S. Um, He set up a front company outside of Los Angeles, and the company would uh, get materials for Israel that uh, they couldn't get from the Pentagon or anywhere else. And among the things that they got were almost 1,000 krytons. Those are extremely um, um, uh, restricted um, devices that are used to set off nuclear weapons. And he, he managed to get about 1,000 of those sent to Israel. And his partner, who was an American who worked for him in his little front company, uh, was arrested and uh, faced 106 years in prison, and they fled the country. Uh, for 16 years until he was finally caught then they came back and they put him in prison but nothing ever happened to milchin because he was israeli and because netanyahu at the time was working for the u.s uh working rather for the israeli embassy in uh, in washington and they worked out a deal worked out a, a deal for uh for uh milchin to basically get off scot-free and so that's what he's been doing ever since is Doing his uh, doing his uh, work as a producer in Hollywood. Um, I mean, the story goes on much further. I won't bother getting into you, into it with you. But this whole reason, or one of the key reasons that Netanyahu is going to trial, he's facing this trial he's going through right now. Uh, for the last three years, he's been going to trial, is because of Milchan, uh, because of a, a deal he made with Milchin. So. Um, Milton's involved in all uh, these activities and that's one of the reasons I decided to write about Mm him.
0: And and what's the connection to Maria Butina and who remind our listeners who she was or or who she she is really? Yeah. uh, yeah, It's a really interesting story.
1: Uh, Maria Butina was charged with being a Mm -hmm. Sort of a Russian spy. I mean, she was charged with being an agent of of, of Russia uh, uh, back in 2018. Uh, Maria Butina was a student. Uh, she was Russian, and she was over here studying at American University in Washington. And this was all during RussiaGate. The FBI needed to arrest somebody that was Russian, and they. Uh, they ended up re- arresting Maria Butina based on virtually no evidence. So I knew Maria Butina when she first came to the United States before all this happened, when she first went to American University. And I knew she was a spy, so I I wrote a long piece for uh, the New Republic uh, about her case, and then I, um, uh, I became one of her few friends in the U.S., and I'd visit her in prison and they put her in solitary confinement. Um, you know, the whole thing was ridiculous um, because there was no evidence that she was a spy of any kind. Uh, so she ended up doing a year and a half in, in prison and then uh, uh, got sent back to to Russia. She had originally come over here trying to get the, uh, her intention was to try to get into a position where uh, she would go back to Russia and try to improve, Conditions between the United States and Russia. She, that was her, her main goal: was to try to help Russia and the U.S. become friendly. So anyway, she gets mm-hmm. deported after she she was uh, arrested uh, and and sent to prison for a year and a half. Gets sent back to to Russia. At this point, she's very very well known in Russia. She became a very famous person because of everything that was going on over here. Uh, about her, Uh, so she ran for the the Duma, which is the Russian Congress, and won a seat, so now uh, instead of being in prison, she's in uh, basically the Russian Congress, so it's a
0: really fascinating story. Yeah, and then there's a connection to Roger Stone too, correct? Yeah, Roger
1: Stone, uh, uh, he was a, a The connection to Roger Stone is with the Russian uh, spy. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Israeli spy that came over to the United States. The Israelis wanted to get in touch with the Trump campaign, but they wanted to do it basically through a back door. In other words, not directly. Uh, So they needed to find somebody to um, uh, get to Trump uh, quietly, basically. So they... They picked uh, Roger Stone, and they first contacted Roger Stone, and Roger Stone uh, was the key person that dealt with uh, with the Israeli agent. It's a a fascinating story about how you know the Israelis uh, managed to do this without the U.S. knowing about it for most of that uh, most of that time. It wasn't until after the election was all over that the U.S. that the FBI discovered it and then
0: they ended up doing nothing about it. Yeah, well, again, my guest is James Bamford, a best selling author, journalist, and documentary filmmaker, and one of the country's leading writers on intelligence, especially the National Security Agency. We're talking about these latest books, Spy Fail, Foreign Spies, Mold Saboteurs, and the Collapse of America's Counterintelligence. Um, if you want to join, we still have a little bit of time at 608-256-2001 or on social media at uh, War Talk on um, x or uh, a public affair on facebook so you also in your book reveal never before seen parts of the Mueller report what do they say and why have they been kept secret
1: well that was the that was the aspect that dealt with israel um you know the Mueller report focused uh, entirely on russia but, like I said, it wasn't until the very end uh, that they discovered the Israeli connection so that was the part that hadn't come out before was the uh the the you know the fact that the Israelis were actually the ones who were um, getting involved in uh, illegally into the uh campaign into the trump campaign um, so you know it's ironic that uh the FBI spent two years looking into Russia never found anything and then managed to miss the fact that that the Israelis had uh, infiltrated the Trump campaign and not discover it until after the election was over. Mm
0: -hmm. So sometimes it is said that Israel is the 51st state of the United States, um, but from at least from the way you understand things, it seems like Israel to some degree rules the United States. Um, am I exaggerating in saying that?
1: Well, all you have to do is look at uh, the war in Gaza. Where are they? Uh, nobody else in the world is giving them uh, as much as we are. Um, I mean, there may be a few other countries giving them a small amount of Weapons, but we've been supplying them with weapons uh, constantly. Israel is one of the wealthiest countries in the world, uh, and yet we give them $4 billion a year. Why are we giving Israel $4 billion a year? Uh, I mean, uh, there's a lot of countries in Africa, a lot of countries in uh, Asia that uh, are very poor, and we, we could help them a great deal by giving them $4 billion a year. Instead, we give it to Israel, the most money we give to any other country. So, yeah, uh, uh, Israel has enormous tight control over the U.S. in terms of how much uh, 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 our cooperation with Israel in terms of both money and politics.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, some of the other um, countries that you talked about. North Korea um, tell us about that
1: yeah that was very fascinating North Korea uh, the uh, the story I write about in there has to do with Sony Pictures a, a big motion picture company in, in Hollywood and uh, they weren't doing too well financially so they were looking to find a way to make a lot of uh, money on a new movie and uh, somebody came up with the idea of making a movie about the assassination of Kim Jong-un, the uh, leader of North Korea. So the movie that they were proposing was uh, 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 basically a comedy, but it was a comedy that was going to show how the CIA goes to North Korea, uh, assassinates Kim Jong-un and, uh, and then takes over the country or, or, Uh, launches a a coup, regime regime change in North Korea. So that was the theme of the movie. Um, But the the North Koreans are extremely sophisticated when it comes to cyber. So they were able to penetrate Sony Pictures and read all the documents and read all the emails and and the memos about the movie. And they could see it was going to make... North Korea, and especially the, the leader of North Korea, um, uh, looked very, very bad. So they wanted to prevent the movie from coming out. And one of the things they did was they had a, um, uh, a prisoner exchange. The, Israel, uh, the um, North Koreans had a couple of Americans over there in prison, and they offered to free them. If the... Uh, uh, U.S. administration at the White House uh, um, would send a representative over to North Korea to, to get that, uh, to get the, the prisoners. Well, uh, the U.S. did send somebody over to get the prisoners, and what Kim Jong-un was hoping was that at that same time he would be able to work out some kind of a friendly deal with the U.S., uh, including regarding that movie that was being made. Well, there was no friendly deal, so um, Kim Jong un then uh, wiped all the computers in Sony, uh, I mean, all their computers all over the world, just wiped them clean, stole all these internal memos from uh, uh, Sony, uh, memos that were very embarrassing to Sony, and um, made them public. So all this took place without the U.S. even knowing anything about it and the person that went over there to get the uh, prisoners was the, at the time, it was the director of national security. So you have the, this really strange situation where the director of national security is meeting with the top leaders of uh, North Korea. At the same time, North Korea is committing the, the uh, largest uh, cyber attack against the company in U.S. history. They were, downloading everything from Sony Pictures. So, again, it was an enormous failure by the U.S. to not to discover that. We paid billions of dollars to the intelligence community to discover foreign countries penetrating the U.S., and they completely missed this entirely. And as a result, Sony lost billions and billions of dollars.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, interesting that Sony is... (laughs) Uh, an issue for uh, national security. I think that tells us something about the way, again, big money and um, politics and government are involved. But anyway, we do have a caller for you, so let's get to him. Hi, Charlie, you're on the air.
1: Hi, Esty. Um
0: So my question is about this television
1: um, ad campaign that's that's come into view for the average American. It's uh, anti-Hamas television ads, sort of uh, pro-Palestinian, anti-Hamas television message. And I'd like you to speak to what you know about that and what the origin of that might be and its purpose. And I'll uh, I'll hang up and take my answer on there. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've had the same... uh, Questions myself. It's very very difficult to find out where money comes from because you know you have the right of privacy in the U.S. So if uh, if a group wants to buy an ad on television, uh, there's no obligation for the television company to tell you who's giving the money or where the money's come from. But obviously, if if the ad is uh, uh, pro-Israel and anti-Palestinian, which is what most of these are. um then obviously it's coming from uh, uh pro-israeli groups. I haven't seen any uh TV ads on that are uh, uh pro-palestinian. Uh, you know the, the Palestinians don't have very much money in the US. They're they're, they're outnumbered, outspent and uh certainly uh, uh they they have far less power than the pro-israeli groups, uh, AIPAC and so forth. So APAC has millions and millions and millions of dollars. APAC could put those ads on if they wanted to, and uh, maybe that's who is doing them. But again, I don't, I don't have any direct knowledge of who is putting them on. But it's a yeah. good question.
0: Yeah. So we got another question from Harry, who did not stay online, but um, he wonders what is the extent of China's spine in the U.S. Well, China does a lot of uh,
1: spying. I I think the problem was that the FBI went overboard on trying to go after a lot of Chinese spies. At one point, they were, you know, uh, there was a lot of complaints because they were going after people in in in, uh, universities that were Chinese and suspecting them of being um, spies, just like they did with Maria Butina. But uh, China does have a very sophisticated espionage uh, uh, agency, or several of them. And so they were very successful in getting a number of spies uh, into the U.S. And uh, the bad uh, aspect of that was there were a number of uh, agents that had been recruited by the CIA in China who were uh, killed, and and others were just... uh, um, their identity was given up, so they were no use to the U.S. anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you mentioned APAC, um, and you also write about Sheldon Adelson. Um, can you talk about who he is and um, why he's part of that?
1: Yeah, Sheldon Adelson, uh, who died, uh, I think, about two years ago. But he was the um, He's this extremely wealthy uh, multi-billionaire who uh, lived in Las Vegas and owned uh, uh, some of the biggest casinos there. And he was an enormous supporter of of Israel, so he would um, uh, contribute a a huge amount of money to um, to Israel. And he got involved with a um, sort of a secret. propaganda operation uh, and, and to some degree an intelligence operation that was run uh, from Israel uh, where they were uh, sending people to the United States again to try to get people um, uh, to support Israel. And so Adelson was a very big uh, supporter of uh, Donald Trump who had been a very big supporter of Israel. So, um, And APAC is one of the wealthiest, if not maybe the wealthiest, uh, uh, lobbying organizations uh, in the U.S. and lobbying uh, on behalf of, of Israel. So if there's uh, two candidates in an election, uh, they're going to pump a lot of money into the, whatever candidate is going to support Israel. Uh, and again, th- th- that's not how democracy is supposed to work
0: yeah and and we have only three minutes left or so but as we keep talking i keep thinking about democracy (laughs) um do do we have democracy um it, it seems like there are all these people who are working behind the scenes to make sure that their money decides what uh is going on in this country and in the world. So if you want to just um, talk about that, what what have you taken from everything that you've learned through the years about the state of democracy and the state of the United States?
1: Yeah, I've never really thought that we have a real democracy. We have a plutocracy, it's the money that counts. I don't have a huge amount of money, so I can't get a senator or a congressperson to do my bidding. but apac and all these other lobbies the gun lobby and all these other lobbies they get whatever they want because they have lots of money and uh so if it's money that controls uh, uh, who votes for what and what laws are being passed then you don't really have a democracy you have a plutocracy where the uh it's the money not the uh, individual votes that counts the most yeah
0: well, anything else you want to say in the last minute or so?
1: Um well, I'm just uh hoping that uh, somebody comes to their uh, to some common sense and and we uh begin forcing Israel to to uh pull out of Gaza and uh, uh nothing seems to work. I think you know, the, the US government is uh is if Israel gets charged with the uh, Genocide in the International uh, um, Court of Justice, uh, yeah, uh, in the ICJ, if they get charged with genocide, then the U.S. uh, is a co-conspirator, or what they call a co-belligerent, and that uh, same thing. I mean, here we are, the United States of America, and we're going to be aiding and abetting uh, genocide. So, yeah, whatever we could do to
0: change uh, uh, change that is what I would uh, recommend. Yeah. Well, James Bamford, best-selling author, we were talking about his fifth book, Spy Fail, Foreign Spies, Mall, and the Collapse of America's Counterintelligence. Uh, what did you want to say, James, quickly? I'm sorry? Did you want to say something?
1: Oh, I just, well, thanks very much for having me on your show. Uh, this is the second time, so I really appreciate the uh, uh, call back onto the show. and. Uh, so hopefully I'll be on your show again at some point.
0: Yes, and thank you. And we will actually include that um, first interview in uh, the blurb on our website. Thank you very much, James Bamford. And thanks to Jade and Summer and Rick. Appreciate your help, too. I'm T D Dinor. Bye-bye. <laughs>